You want to change the world? Start off by making your bed. That was a great line I still remember from a graduation speech, a commencement speech that went viral a few years ago. Actually, the speech was about 10 years ago in 2013 at University of Texas, I believe. The YouTube video of that speech, as of this morning when I double-checked, has almost 17 million views. You want to change the world, start off by making your bed. He went on to say in that speech that the little things in life matter. That was one of his points, and I'd encourage you to watch that at some point. But as today, we turn to Matthew 13, verses 31 to 33, and continue our look at the parables, the stories of Jesus. Here in Matthew 13, just those three verses, 31 through 33, it's a short passage, and it's about little things. And it's about changing the world. Those little things in life do matter. In fact, if you want to change the world, it is so true. Jesus says it here in this passage that that you can have a big impact as you do the little things. Would you read with me Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. This is God's holy, inspired life transforming word. Matthew 13, 31. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. This is God's word. Father, thank you that you have given us your word. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, that we might be changed, and as a result, the little things we do might change the world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Someone has called these two parables that we just read about the mustard seed and the lemon, leaven, has called them twins. Not identical twins, but fraternal twins. You know, they have a lot in common. They're very similar. They both speak of the kingdom. They both speak of little things. Yet, unlike other parables, they they don't have characters per se. There's not a plot. They, They are more like simple analogies or similes or similitudes. Um, but they are pointing like all parables, to a deeper meaning. What do the little things stand for? What is it saying about the kingdom, this mustard seed and this 
leaven for the dough? And how does the meaning help us live in and as citizens of God's kingdom? Those are the things we're meant to wrestle with as we look at these twins. And the focus Jesus would have us take as he's sharing this with the original hearers was that of the kingdom and his teaching about it and how it seemed kind of small and surprising and unexpected for what people in those days were looking for in terms of the kingdom. And Jesus speaks of that as, hey, here's what's happening in the kingdom now, and he points to the future of the kingdom. And we too, as we look at this, can have our expectations judged, assessed, revised as to what we expect. And what Jesus would say to us here is that the kingdom of God impacts the world. Even though it may seem quite small, even insignificant, especially in Jesus' day, centered on one person and then maybe some followers but then narrowing down again to one person as everyone deserted Jesus at the end. The kingdom of God impacts the world, even though it may seem quite small, sometimes insignificant, like a tiny mustard seed or a small lump of leaven. And the call for you and I is to keep living as a citizen of the kingdom. And if we do, if you do, you will impact the world. The kingdom of God impacts the world. And if you live as a citizen of the kingdom, you will impact the world. How's that happen? Let's dig into it. You'll impact the world as part of, first of all, a community of peace. A community of peace. That's a, a big result from a very small beginning. Peace. Big result from a small beginning. Look at verses 31 and 32 about the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And then this is smaller than all the seeds, but when it's full grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. A mustard seed was very small. Uh, there's some actually uh, out in the lobby, Narthex area, in, in little packs tied to the, the idea of faith being as small as a mustard seed. In Jesus' day, mustard seeds were very common as a way of expressing something that's small. So Jesus talks about it here with respect to the kingdom. He says uh, later on in Matthew 17.20 that your faith can be as small as a mustard seed. Other Writers of those days and speakers mentioned mustard seeds. They were proverbially small things. That is the way to understand Jesus saying it's smaller than all the seeds, right? It is not literally saying there are no seeds on the whole planet. That's not what he's saying. He's saying they're small. Everybody knows they're small. And yet, They become this big, technically a bush, 8 to 10 feet tall, sometimes more, 12 to 18 feet or so. Uh, a bush that's 
Again, Jesus saying, it's like a tree. This bush, this tiny seed, because not merely this bush, but something that's along the lines of a tree, where even the birds of the heavens can just find a place to nest and start their home. And it all started with this tiny seed. This little seed could become this place of peace that welcomes birds and they can make a nest and a home. It's very likely, it can't be certain, the Bible translation we're reading from the NASB puts the part about the, the, the birds, the tree and the nest in italics to say it's quoting the Old Testament in verse 32 at the end. The birds of the air come and nest in its branches. It's, it's very likely that Jesus is referring to the passage we read a little while ago in the service from Ezekiel 17, verses 22 to 24. It's one of those passages that speaks of trees being a place for creatures to rest, to make their nest, to come and find protection and shelter. As one commentator put it, a place of stability and peace, a protective canopy over them. That's, that's the picture Jesus is drawing, that, that this little mustard seed can become this place where creatures will find rest and peace. You know, we, we, we have a, a wreath that has our Julia and I's uh, initials on it. It's just a decorative thing to commemorate our, our, our marriage. You know, a big wreath that we hang outside. Uh, in the winter, it goes on a couple of doors that we keep closed. And it's, you know, got natural-looking leafy things all around it and, and a scrolly uh, wood thing of our initials. And in the spring, apparently, we left it out too long this last year. And so... a a bird came along and nested in this thing. And so we're like, it's warm, let's open up the doors. And it's, oh, there's a nest in this little wreath. We're like, all right, so we're watching, you know. And that, that family, they, they grew up in this. And, and as soon as they're out of there, like another family comes along, a bird family, and nested in there. And we're like, oh, now it's, but there are pretty little robins, little robin eggs in there. Um, that was such a nice place of shelter for them. And those doors were underneath our porch. You know, they're right next to the house. They're up a little bit high. No critters are going to get to them. That place of safety. That's what those birds could sense and see in that space. And Jesus is essentially saying that that's what the kingdom of God is intended to be. A place where people can say, those who are weary flying along and looking for rest, right? those who are burdened and, and need a place to shelter, where they can find that. And you do remember what the kingdom is about, right? It's about the rule and reign of God over people. It's not a literal physical place in our day and age. It's, it's, it's y'all. We are the kingdom of God expressed on this planet. Those who are acting and obedient to God. And what he's saying, Jesus is saying, is that transformation that happens in us makes us together especially a place of peace, a place of rest, a place where people can find some shelter 
and relief. You know, Kids Fair is a, is a good picture of that. We've been doing it for a long time, right? And, and sometimes we need to revisit the perspective. Ideally, what that's about is, hey, families of our community, here's a place where you can bring your kids and not worry about them. A place where your kids can do what all the other kids are doing, getting some candy and stuff like that, right? That's what they want to do. And hey, here's a place where you can come and your kids can have some safe, fun times. We'll give them some prizes. We'll, we'll, we'll welcome them. And you don't need to worry about it. It's safe. You know, that's one of the reasons why we, we, we comply with child protection policies and do background checks, right? It's one of the reasons why you know, we care about those things. It's that we would be a place of safety, a place where people feel at ease. It's, it's a challenge for us. But it's also a little thing. And maybe, maybe you don't realize the great impact that can have. And you can even break this down to really simple, small things. If you want to be a part of making a community of peace, it starts with one of the most challenging things for me, which is smiling. Smiling. I can't do it right now or I'll just look like a psycho. You know, I don't know. Like I'm going to come and not be safe. You know, like just to smile. It, it, to welcome people. And... and and if that's a challenge for you as it is with me, you know, my resting face is just not approachable. Uh, and I've been, I've been working on that. You, know, you, can, you can smile. You want to be a place of peace, a part of the community of peace, try, try waving. An open hand waving. I, I was just reading in the last couple of weeks about this. That speakers who get up and, 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 and have their hands, you know, welcoming and waving, subliminally, people feel safer. Right? As opposed to what? Here, like, what are you thinking? What is he doing with his hands, right? Open, welcoming. I've been trying to put this in practice with my neighbor. You know, I pull in my driveway and I get out and they're in the back and their dog is this little puppy and now it's this giant German shepherd. And it comes, woo, 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 like, like it's going to kill me. And I'm here every, every day. I live here. I'm like, Max, I thought we were friends, you know, this dog. And I'll try, I'll be ready, I'll try to, and, I, and I, will, I will try to make eye contact and smile with the family that's there and, and say, hi, you know? And what I used to do was kind of give a like, you know, like a nod, like a smile, like, what is that? That's, that's a weird face. But to smile, like this is a part of welcoming, and it's a very small thing. It can have a huge impact, to smile, to wave. Try that one. Uh, more than that, though, to be attentive, to listen. To not just wait your turn to speak, but to actively attend. Take an interest in the other person. You know, when we're doing things with especially outreach, let's have less talking to each other. Let's find another time to catch up. And let's have a lot of attention on the people that are there. And listening. Asking. Taking an interest. Curious heart. Sincere questions. Taking an interest. You know, those are four simple things. Very, very small things that can make a community of peace and bring about a, a big result. 
smiling mouth, open hands, attentive ears, curious hearts. I think I've mentioned to you before that um, my wife and I took a coaching workshop class uh, online a couple of years ago. And it was about just trying to help people um, take steps forward in life, basically, as leaders, as Christians. And one of the exercises that we got to do was to just listen, to practice active listening, where we would go one-on-one in a little Zoom room on, you know, online, just one-on-one, and, and the person would practice just listening. Not commenting, not asking follow-up questions or anything like that. Just listening, trying to affirm things, uh, maybe echoing back, yeah, I hear you saying that was hard or whatever, right? And, and so we got to practice that as coaches. But here's the thing that happened. That was helpful, and I learned some stuff. But I learned something else. And it's, it's profound, and I need to keep reminding myself of this. A super, super small thing, like just having someone you know is not going to argue with you, someone who's not going to say something judgy, someone who's not going to pester or nag, someone who's just going to listen to you, and who demonstrates that with their attention, right? They're not looking at their phone, they're just looking at you, whatever, you know. To have someone that you know is doing that when you're in that seat, and the other person's the one actually supposed to be practicing, but what I learned as I sat in that other seat was that is so powerful. I felt so heard and, and affirmed and, and loved and valued. I found this great peace in that by that person just listening. If, if, if we're going to be a community of peace, Let's practice that. Of listening. Of, of seeking to understand. Of being curious. Of welcoming people. Being a, a safe place like that. That's where a community of peace comes together. And it brings these big results from small beginnings as you connect with other human beings. That's a part of what God would have us to be as citizens in his kingdom. And those are little things. But he also, Jesus gives us this other aspect in the second part of this passage, where the kingdom is not only a community of peace, kind of passive, welcoming place, but it's also a community of influence that impacts others. As a, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you impact the world as not only a community of peace, but as a community of influence. So big transformation can happen from a small addition. Big transformation, small addition. Look at verse 33. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. That did not rhyme when he was saying it in Greek or Hebrew. Kingdom of heaven is like leaven. I've been listening to a lot of 80s rap. I'm sorry. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. 
Now, first of all, you need to know in the Bible, very often leaven is a negative uh, influence. Uh, Jesus speaks of the leaven of the Pharisees in Matthew 16, 5 to 12. Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 and Galatians 5 talks about that kind of influence, you know, negative influence. Leaven permeates, you know, Jesus says, be careful of it. And the disciples those times were like, oh, we, we, we didn't bring bread. He's saying we should have brought bread. No. Explicitly says, no, Jesus, I'm talking about the teaching of the Pharisees. It's a bad influence. But it's not always a negative. And here it's clearly not a negative. It's a positive. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It's not a bad influence. It's a good influence. This image of a woman making bread was very familiar to Jesus' listeners. They, they made lots of bread. It was a staple, as it still is throughout the world. People eat lots of bread. Warm, hot bread, David, right? Mmm. I can smell it. And it was always the women in Jesus' day making the bread. And they would make it quite often. And this parable, Jesus says, a woman took some of that leaven. And, it, and yeast is a good representative of the idea uh, what they were literally doing in those days was more like we would think of with sourdough, a starter or something like that. They would take the, um, the fermenting bits left over. They didn't have little packets, certainly not in a nice tear-off convenient <laughs> packet, right? Uh, they had a, a bunch of old dough that was fermenting, and they would fold that into the flour. They would take off an amount and start making bread. In this case, the, two, the three pecks of flour, uh, or three measures, there's a couple of different ways the translations happen. Uh, we're, we're not completely certain of the you know, how you convert that into our modern measurement equivalents, but it is almost certainly a lot of bread. In fact, probably enough to feed 100 to 150 people. You know, pounds of bread, pounds and pounds of bread. And the sense I take from it as Jesus tells the story is you're picturing a woman making some bread, right? And, and she takes the normal amount of leaven and she puts it in this massive amount of flour. It was most likely the most they could make with the tools that they had. And what happens? All of the flour was leavened. And without the leaven, what do you get? I almost said this earlier, but I didn't. I didn't want to put it out too early. One commentator put it this way, when, when, when you don't have enough leaven, what you get is not bread, but hot, semi-edible rocks. I think that answers your question, Pastor Dave. Uh, one commentator said that. It's not mine. It's hot, semi-edible rocks. Right? You can kind of gnaw on it. It doesn't have the body. It's not the fullness. It's not transformed into something that we know that is beautiful and tasty. Right? That's what you get with the leaven. This transformation happens through the influence of the leaven by a small addition. That's a picture of the kingdom. It's a picture of the people of God, the citizens of the kingdom. As we live out our lives, not only as, as like salt and light, Jesus says in Matthew 5, but as leaven to bring about transformation as citizens of the kingdom. This is the history of Christianity that you can look through the books if they're not too sanitized by a secular world. You see this over and over again. 
that great, uh, there have been atrocities. There have been horrible things done in the name of Jesus. Bad things. I'm not trying to say that didn't happen, but I am trying to say that also there's a history of really amazing change, positive things happening throughout the history of the Christian church. For example, a man named Telemachus tried to stop the atrocity of the Roman gladiator games where guys would just fight to the death while giant crowds watched them. You know, in, instead of wearing pads and protective equipment, you know, they're wearing their armor, but they've got swords and they're trying to kill one another. And the crowd is cheering them on. And so Telemachus came into the city, I believe it was Rome, and was appalled by what he was seeing, the violence and bloodlust. And he was so moved that he entered the arena while the gladiators were fighting. And he shouted to the crowd and appealed to them to stop this madness. And the response of the crowd was not, oh, wow, you're right, this is horrible. What are we doing? The response of the crowd was rage. That their entertainment would be interrupted. Right? Like the kids walking in front of the TV screen during the game. Way higher rage. They're watching violent, violent, violent activity and very excited by it. And Telemachus says, this is wrong. It needs to stop. They're enraged. Probably conscience as well playing into that. And they began to throw stones at Telemachus until he was dead. And the game could continue. Small event. One person. Didn't seem like it had much of an influence. I don't know about the people who attended it. But I do know that within some amount of time, the emperor heard what had happened. That this one man took a stand for what was right and called for an end and gave his life for it. And it moved the emperor who within a short amount of time banned gladiatorial games permanently. Small addition. One man. Bloodthirsty mob. Gave his life. Small addition. You could think of other examples of St. Patrick going from England after he was enslaved by people of Ireland to go then share the gospel with them and eventually the people of Ireland raising up a man by the name of Columba who then went to Scotland and shared the gospel there. All these kind of things happening. You think of Jim Elliott who left his comfort here in the United States in the 50s to go to the Walrani people and gave his life on the beach never seeing one of them come to faith. But what happened over time was that they did. This kind of sacrifice, as you look at that small addition, it is so obviously rooted in and patterned after and empowered by Jesus. Right? The one who came and one dude from some backwater town in the north part of Israel that people said, could anything good come from there? who came and taught and had an influence, was rejected by the leaders, eventually died, betrayed by his own people. His own friends left him. 
and he died as a criminal unjustly convicted. And it seemed like the end. And then what happened? He rose victorious from the grave. That this one was more than a man, is more than a man. He's not merely a citizen of the kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom. And what he says is, I have done this, and I will do this, and I will do it through you. So you are not merely citizens of some state and some nation that is invisible. You are united to the king of all kings, the one whose kingdom has this amazing impact and influence and power. And he says, you're a part of me. If you will believe in what I did on that cross, that it was to take away your sin and break the power of sin upon your life, that you believe it was to take away the guilt and the shame, that is for you. Done. Finished. Carried out. If you would believe that, I've sent my Spirit into your hearts that you might be transformed. You, from the inside out, might be different. And together, as the people of God, living as citizens in this kingdom, that we would in fact be one with that King. And that's where the impact comes from. As we believe those promises, that you know what? Not only am I in that kingdom, but you're in that kingdom, and 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 together with all of the saints throughout all time and history, but today in this place, together we become this community of peace and influence where very simple things like you and I just smiling and waving at people, where we offer just a safe place to have a kind of Halloween alternative and we do our best to present the gospel in one way or another where we smile and welcome people and do a little part of it. As you live according to the calling of God, as a citizen of His kingdom, first and foremost, man, things will change. There will be an impact. You will have an impact. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word that it is trustworthy and true. We pray, O oh Lord, that, that You would be the King of our hearts, that we would identify as citizens of Your kingdom, that together we would be a community of peace and influence not because we're somehow special, not because we're naturally friendly, not because we're persuasive on our own or by our skills and practice, but because, oh Lord, we are Your people. And You have promised to be with us and never forsake us, and because You will impact this world through us. We pray You would do just that. In Jesus' name, Amen.